All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you, Lisa. I'm Tyler Rumchuk. Welcome in to episode 84 of Oilers Nation Radio. Bagged Milk is uh, he's on the dead. bench this week. No, he's not dead. He's, he's having dead. some work done to his townhouse, and he's worried that the noise outside is going to cause his dog to go nuts, which means he won't be able to uh, have good audio for the podcast. So as the producer and as the guy who has to edit this, I thank him for making that responsible decision to sit this week out. But Dan is here, Rick is here, and so is blonde Zach Lang, which is different from when we had you on about a month ago. But Zach, how has quarantine been treating you? Well, I'm blonde now, so I've hit my quarantine crisis point already and uh, completely changed my (laughs) hairstyle. But it's going well. Uh, I don't know. How are provincials? provincials oh they're great yeah the, the Bantam team you know yeah you look you place. look at your hair and you're like damn i don't know what sport you're playing man but how'd you get finished yeah no Bantam team didn't do well in the playoffs this year we were eliminated <laughs> after the first game so it was all for naught apparently but i still think i got a better hairdo than milan Lucic does so we'll okay. roll with that we'll have to post a we'll have to post a side-by-side photo on social media i think actually That's yeah that, deal. that'd be good for uh the Oz nation radio uh instagram account not the um, Twitter account. It's actually been... Oh, sure, the Twitter... Oh, no, yeah, the Twitter account's gone. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, it's actually been, like, a really busy week around Oilers Nation and the organization. Ken Holland is taking this quarantine time to sign every single prospect that needs to be signed for the Oilers. Um, I believe all of them are defensemen. Marcus Niemelainen, Patrick Berglund... I'm sorry, no, sorry, Philip Berglund. Patrick Berglund is another player in the NHL. Um, But I'll I'll start with you on this one, Dan. Uh, What do you think of the activity Ken Holland has been been doing as of late and the fact that he's just seemingly stocking up on defensemen? I like it. I mean, it's it's good to just keep, stay the course with these guys. Uh, I mean, I can't pretend to know any more than anybody else sitting here in North America to know how Marcus (laughs) Niemelainen has been doing. Uh, in Liga play or Philip Berglund in <laughs> SHL play, other than my prospect update where I just put in the numbers to tell you where they're at. Um, <laughs> Berglund, Berglund had 20 points through 52 games as a right-hand defense, but that's not bad. Uh, Nima Linen had 7 points through 54 games. You know, who knows? Maybe he's just a shutdown defenseman. Who knows? But it, it is good to see that you, you would imagine that Ken Holland has taken the time to really look at these guys, um, whereas you know, in in previous years, it would have waited until the summer, and and then maybe it's a little bit more of a rush job. Um, so he's actually 
been been given some time to uh, to look into stuff. Defensive depth super important. Good to have uh, good to have all kinds of uh, all kinds of options in the cupboard there. I think he showed that this year with the forwards uh, going out and getting the Hosses and the Nygards of the world. So uh, grab that kid out of uh, I say kid. He's what twenty five. Yeah. Uh, out of Sweden, uh, kid, it's, it's, so. it's not bad to have that defensive depth, right? You gotta, you gotta think that that means that there's probably somebody else heading out the door. I think we've been saying that now for probably 17 episodes straight, but uh, yeah, it's good to have that defensive depth. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think there's nothing wrong with taking a chance on a few scratch tickets and hoping that, like, I don't think with any of these guys they're going to be, you know, top four demon at any point, but. You're taking flyers on Niemelainen, in Berglund, and even Teddy Theodore Lindstrom. I think we're all going to call him Teddy, though, right? Is that going to be the consensus? Teddy, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely Teddy Lindstrom. Uh, he, he signs a one-year entry-level deal as well. I think you're just kind of taking flyers on guys and hoping at some point maybe they find their way to be you know, a good bottom-pairing defenseman that you can use for dirt cheap for a couple of seasons before you kind of got to move on from them. But it's if there's one position where you want to have a ton of depth, it's, uh, it's defensemen. You got to fill your you got to fill your Bakersfield team too, though, right? Like not all these guys can be expected to even have NHL yeah. runs coming up one day. Um, but like Dan was saying, I, I honestly think that he's just treating this like the summer. Who knows what happens when we start? Who knows what type of gap there's going to be between uh, lifting the cup and the, and dropping the puck on game one? Uh, he's got some dead time where there's really nothing going on. You might as well just uh, take care of all these little details right now because what else do you have to do? Well, and, you know, for, for Berglund and for Namalina, they're both two-year contracts, and the Lundstrom contract is, is only one year. So there's there's really no risk in finding these guys uh, to, to a contract and seeing what they can do because, you know, you look at Bakersfield, and they've been depleted this last season, season and a half, with so many of their, their top guys kind of coming up to Edmonton, you know, the Kyler Yamamoto's, the Ethan Bears, the Caleb Joneses of the world. So Bakersfield needs some help, and... And these might be three guys who can come in down there and, and help them to read off the back end for the Condors. I and, well, sorry, Tyler, but we're forgetting the biggest signing this week. Uh, <laughs> I'm so far, how far into the episode are we right now? <laughs> and 11 not, minutes? It's not Esposito. It's Brad Malone <laughs> signing another two years with the organization. You know, I, uh, yeah, it's just he's, he's, trying, he's checking off the boxes. Is it a two-way or an AHL only? AHL only. Uh, Pretty sure it's only. Yeah, he's he's, he's, probably, he's probably done his call up <laughs> unless we get to like emergency depth, which you know, knock on wood, we never see that deep of a of a drop. But yeah, uh, but he's, he's he's it's just good. It's good to have some continuity with the organization too. Like Zach said, like you're getting you're getting some guys that that just check the boxes and and can hold those spots for you for a couple of years, and you know what you have in a Brad Malone, you know what you have in in Nima line and in Berglund and you're not you're not having to go out and and, uh, and try and figure it out and test it out so so yeah it's it's uh it's a fine it's a fine time and it's one of those things like if if Holland wasn't making the moves we'd be all like well what the hell is Ken Holland doing right like it, it's just it, he's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing yeah he's checking off some boxes uh, the thing with Malone and Zach you touched on it as well when you talk about developing prospects through your system having Having a good culture, and I know that's a bit of a buzzword, but having a good culture in your minor leagues and having a team that, you know, consistently not maybe win games or make the playoffs every year, but can stay in games and having some good veterans down there that can teach some of the younger players how to be good pros. I think that's where signing a guy like Brad Malone and, you know, you groom a guy like Esposito, a guy like Josh Curry that might still be down there. Having those types of guys is really, really important for just the strength of your organization as a whole, whereas it's in areas that might not affect your NHL team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Malone, you know, Malone was in the midst of his best American Hockey League season down there, 31 points in 49 games. You know, over the last three years, he's had 89 points for 148. So, you know, he's one of those veteran guys who can kind of help show the way for for, for these young guys, the, the Kyler Yamamoto's, the Tyler Benson, Cooper Barokis, who are, you know, sort of those incoming um, next wave of Edmonton Oilers. And, you know, culture is such a buzzword in hockey, but it's it's something that's true. You you have to build a good culture for your team and your organization. You know, these are just a couple of those those signings that help do that and uh, bring some continuity to an organization that hasn't had a lot of it in uh, a long time. Well, and that's the other thing too, Tyler. And you just kind of nodded on it, nodded on to it as well. But but um, Ken Holland has created in Detroit 
uh, one of the best AHL teams going. Grand Rapids Griffins every year have made the playoffs for the last, I'm looking at this straight now, I think it's seven seasons in a row. So that's like, you know, you're not, they're not winning the championship every time, although they've won two Calder Cup finals in that time. But, but you've got some guys there that are getting some, some experience and they're getting their teeth cut on, on playoff hockey. Even if it is the AHL, it's still good hockey. So it's, and he needs, uh, and he needs some quality veterans to go along with those guys. Well, exactly. Young guys yeah, you're, to, not, you're not filling the out teams. the roster with, you're not filling out a Bakersfield roster with all your prospects because it's just, it's just not, it's not possible. You got guys over in Europe. You've got guys in junior hockey. It's not happening. But but if you've got your core guys that you're happy to build a team around, and and when a new kid comes into town, the the older guys are are able to kind of take them under their wing and teach them what it's like to be in the AHL and what it's like to be a pro. Um, yeah, it, it can only mean good things for the big club once those kids come up after over percolating in the AHL. I put air quotes around that, but no one can see it because it's <laughs> a podcast. But you look at you look at a guy like Bear, right? Like he he might be one of those guys that has over percolated in his you know young pro hockey career, and he got that extra time in Bakersfield. And you look at the way that he was able to step up and and contribute on such a massive level for the Edmonton Oilers this season as a rookie defenseman. Now you don't see a lot of rookie defensemen, um, especially with the acumen that he has as a late round draft pick stepping in as a rookie, being able to do that. And I think it just goes to show you know the tremendous. Um, AHL system when we got down there now with, with Jay Woodcroft running the show. I mean, I remember when Jay Woodcroft got put into that role and I was thinking, man, like I don't see him wanting to stick around there for more than a year, but I think he's really enjoying being able to work with and develop so many of these young guys that are now coming up and showing that they're impact players for the Oilers. Yeah, I, I actually, I think the Woodcroft element to this, I'm really happy the organization kept him around because I was hearing some pretty strong rumors that Todd McClellan and the LA Kings made Woodcroft a pretty sizable financial offer to join Todd in LA and, and to go back to being Todd's associate coach. And I, I believe Woodcroft just kind of went to the Oilers and said, you know, up the pay a little bit. And I, I, I like the idea of running my own bench. So I'm really happy that he decided to stay in the organization because that's a big thing as well. Having a guy in the minors who kind of knows how to connect with the younger players and who can understand the balance of trying to win games and playing your veterans and treating them right while also understanding that you are the developmental league and you do need to, you know, help push players to the next level. I think having a guy like Woodcroft is, it's invaluable, man. It's huge. Yeah, it's well, especially too for an organization that has um, gone through, what is it now, seven head coaches in the, yeah. in the, in the, uh, a, in the NHL level. Um, that includes, you know, chewing up and spitting out um, Todd Nelson, who just, you know, got his interim tag. And then when we didn't give him the job for the second time, he said, peace. Um, and then who was who was the coach that was in before Woodcroft? Um, Down in Baco? Yeah. Uh, Fleming. Escaping my mind. Yeah. Fleming, yeah. And the, so, the, so there's, you know, I mean, it's just, like organizationally, we need to, we need to give these these people some some rocks to kind of build around it and you know when you when you've got a coach down there that you know the expectations of and you've got a you've got a coach up here that you know the expectations of it's it can't be it can't be anything but good for you as opposed to you know having a new head coach to come up to every time you get called up and and you know new systems to have to learn every season after the offseason because you got a new AHL head coach it, it's just I hope that these these kind of stay the course and I think they will as as success continues to come, uh, knock on wood. But yeah, it's entirely yeah, right. It's it, it's needed. I actually, I kind of buried the lead in terms of most important signings. I, I'm not sure if we touched on it last week on Oilers Nation Radio, but Gaetan Haas on Monday officially signed a one-year extension with the team. This is interesting for a handful of reasons. Before we get to sort of the outlook of the entire forward group, the, bringing back Gaetan Haas, uh, I'll start with you, Rick. Did he do enough in that first season, do you think, to earn this next deal? Uh, for what he got, I think he did. Just one year, 825 or whatever it is. I think that's just fine. It's a guy that, you know, you when you start signing these guys, you know what your floor of your or what your team is going to be. You know, like if he's going to be a fourth liner, you know it's not going to get any worse than that. Um, it'll allow someone to, to sneak up and play above him. And if you have to, you can put him down the AHL and it doesn't hurt you at all. So I think it's uh, it, it, it's a good safety net to have 
you're going into the off season whenever we get there, if we get there, with uh, with pretty much a whole roster done, a couple guys who have cheap enough contracts that you can put them in the AHL. If you end up fucking signing somebody, or if Benson, or if someone else down there comes up and and grabs a spot next year, so it gives you that versatility with the contract, but it also gives you that security of knowing uh, exactly what you have and where you have them. Well, and this is a team that, outside of uh, a shitty December, we're probably the number one team in the division right now. Like, and and you could still say that you know if if the if the playoff scenarios play out how they are going to or how they're supposed to right now, I mean, that changes minute to minute, hour to hour. But if they play off scenarios go on right now and it's Vegas versus Edmonton to try to decide the top seed, I'm not, I'm not convinced that Vegas beats us in a three-game series. So it, it's, you know, for a, for a team, again, we're just, we keep talking about it. We keep hammering on the continuity thing. But, but this is a successful team. And Holland's got a team that, you know, he can, he can kind of, stay the course with and then make tweaks here and there with trades. You, you, we still don't know what we have with Athanasiu. We, we don't even know if, if Ennis is coming back next year, but, but there's, those are pieces that maybe you can tweak in and out and, and make adjustments in season. But for the most part, he's got kind of a blueprint to work with for success. And then he can just keep adding to it. And, and you think that the defense is going to keep getting better, uh, keep growing up together with Caleb Jones getting a full season under his belt next year. Like it's just the, the, the blueprint is there. Now he can make his tweaks and adjustments as, as needed. Zach, your take on yeah. a Haas. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a safe signing. It's, it's a one year deal. It's a no risk, you know, moderate reward for a fourth liner who proved that he has some strong defensive acumen. I mean, what, what more do you want out of your fourth line center than somebody who can, you know, play strong defensive hockey. I, I mean, I just, I don't think that there's uh, any risk in this to be upset about. And I think, you know, at the very least, um, you know what your floor is, like Rick said, and, and you hope that a guy comes in and outplays Gaetan Haas for the fourth line center role. I, I think that's kind of the mindset you have with that, um, with that signing and, and bringing him back for another year. But I, I, I don't see there being uh, much risk at all. Well, another thing too with Haas, and it's something I brought up on Real Life earlier in the week, but he's he only had one NHL season under his belt. Like I, I still like the idea of he's 28 years old, yes, but he's re- very, very new to North American hockey. I think there's a chance that Gaetan Haas next year is, you know, a bit better than what Gaetan Haas was last year. I think there's a chance you mentioned someone stepping in and outplaying him. I think uh, I think Haas outplays himself in a way and can actually be a little yeah. bit more effective and a little bit more confident at the NHL level than he was last season. Uh, so now that brings me to my next point, which was the amount of forwards the Oilers have under contract next season. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nuge, Neal. We can assume Athanasiu is going to be there. Chase on Cassian, Jujar Kara, Josh Archibald, Gaetan Haas, Kyler Yamamoto. If you want to go ahead and count Tyler Benson as one of those options as well, I mean, all of a sudden you're looking at five, six, nine, ten, eleven forwards already under contract, counting Athanasiu, who's an RFA under team control, I should say, and that's not counting Shahan Ennis or Patrick Russell. Uh, out of Shahan Ennis and Russell, I'll start with you on this one, Dan. How many of those three UFA forwards do you think are back with the organization next year? Well, I think the the caveat, of course, is how much money they get, um, and we're 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 still in the unknown world of what the cap is going to look like next year. Um, so that obviously plays in everything. I think that if you get Shahan even at a, you know, even at a slight bump up from what he's making right now, he's a great third line center. The, I think you have a, you have the makings of a pretty good NHL third line there with, uh, with Archibald and him and then whoever you want to slide in on the other side. Um, so I, I would say Shahan's probably, uh, I would say he's like 98% an oiler for me. Um, when it comes to Ennis, you gotta, I don't like, I don't know. It's one of those things because if the, if nobody has money, then, you know, maybe you get Ennis on a song, um, or for what he's making right now. Uh, but I don't know. I didn't look at it when I, when we got Ennis, I looked at Ennis as a rental and not a, and not a forever an oiler. Um, so I would say probably not an Ennis on our team next year. And then you said Jujar was the no, other one. Patrick Russell. Patrick Russell, yeah, I, I, I don't know. He's he's one of those. I think yeah, he's he's kind of 
He's already um, he's a scratch ticket that didn't pan out, yeah. and that's okay. And and that's what scratch tickets are there for. But you you got to we have to start finding the money that you know that doesn't exist right now because there is just such tight numbers on the cap room. And then also we're forgetting the the rumors of Sam Gagne coming back yeah. for a year too, right? So it's there's there's just there's not that many forward spots left, and and a guy like Patrick Russell is not that effective. A guy like Ennis could be effective, but wasn't probably in our long-term pans money was the interesting thing with tyler ennis is that the the ufa market i think is going to be real weird if the cap doesn't go up and guys like ennis who had good seasons probably won't be able to cash in on them the way they would have liked so if you're tyler ennis and the oilers come to you and say hey one year 1.25 million he could sit there and go you know what i come back maybe i click with mcdavid maybe i get a little power play time maybe i score 20 25 goals and next summer, when some teams have a little bit more wiggle room to spend, or maybe the cap goes up by a mil after next season, uh, maybe a guy like Ennis can cash in after that on a two, three-year deal. But Zach, what do you think of the idea of bringing back Tyler Ennis? Well, I think you have to. I mean, I think you you gave up an asset for him at the deadline. You know, it, was, it wasn't a very expensive asset, but Ennis was a guy who last year, you know, in his time in, in Ottawa, proved that he can be an effective threat on the ice. I mean, I just think that he's a very valuable player that can play up and down the lineup. You, you look at how excited he was after he got traded to Edmonton, too. You know, he was on After Hours and, and talked about his excitement of being a hometown boy, you know, coming back to play in Edmonton, the team that he grew up watching and idolizing. So, you know, I think that there's probably going to be an appetite from the player um, to come back. And I think there should definitely be an appetite from the team because, you know, we only got a really small window to look of like what, like ten games maybe with Ennis out there, and I really thought that he looked uh, like a pretty solid addition to the team. He he stepped in as a vet and and um, played with McDavid and, and Drysaitel at times and, and looked well doing it. So I and, and you're right. I think given the weird landscape of of the sports world and what's going to happen with the salary cap moving forward. I think there's a good chance you're able to get him on the cheap and, and have him come in a real effective player for the Oilers. Yeah, I think Shahan's the important one to get signed. I think that's who they're going to put. They're going to put all their uh, priorities on him. Um, but that's going to come down to what he wants to sign for. Uh, you do, you were right though, Ty. With the with the, with the cap being a little bit different this year than normal, you might be able to get him on a little bit of a cheaper deal. So I'd assume it's just going to be a one year and then. Uh, He'll allow him to, to try UFA again. And it's same thing, though. It's going to be, uh, you're going to sit there and, and just look at who's out there then. Like, you can't fill up your whole roster without knowing who's out there as a UFA. Um, there might be somebody out there who is a, a top six forward that, you know, you're, you're better off trying to squeeze into your lineup rather than sitting there with, a, with an NS. So I think he'll, he'll be a, a decision that you can make later on in the offseason, I think. Um, but I think right now it's just, it's just, uh, an open book on him like there's no there's no real uh leaning one way or the other because you have to see what what else is available out there to add to your lineup as always oilers nation radio is brought to you by the fine folks over at sherwood ford check them out now seems to be a great time to buy a new car uh, they got a ton of used new anything you need sherwood ford can help you out with your car buying experience uh, I, I kind of like the armchair GM conversation we have going here, our little armchair GM roundtable. So I'm going to keep it rolling, and I'm going to throw another one at you guys. Um, I rattled off the players for next season who are under contract. Uh, some of them, you know, their contract isn't exactly a bargain, and the guys I'm looking at, obviously James Neal. But he scored 19 goals, but, you know, he's going to be 33 next year. Uh, he's making $5.75 million. Alex Chase on $2.1 million next season, but he's a UFA after that. Jujar Kara at $1.2 million. He's inconsistent. He is a good penalty killer, but at five on five, he struggles. If the Oilers do go and, you know, bring back Shahan, and let's say they bring back Gagne to be their extra forward, and they end up with a spare part or two, is there any one of Kara, Chase on or Neil that you could realistically see being dealt before next season? I see them trying to get a Neil. I don't know if anyone's going to pick it up, but I can see them trying to get out of there. And there's also going to be the opportunity of that, of the, of the buyout. And if that is a possibility, I think that's just where you go with it. And it's just purely because of uh, of the dollar amount. Um, the the difference in play between Chason and Neil is not um, four million dollars or whatever it yeah. is. You know, it's that's where you kind of like take it. And I think Juju is, is an RFA, and yeah, he's definitely hasn't had a great year five on five. 
but he brings that uh, he brings some abilities to the game that um, that are still necessary. He still has uh, he can still play that rough and tough. Like when we get to the playoffs here, I, a player like him may actually elevate and and look a little more uh, a little more better out there. Um, and you only have to give him that ten percent raise too, right? So yeah. it's not like you're giving him that much more money. So yeah. I could see them trying to get out of Neil, keeping Chiesa on, and uh, and Jujar. I do think you hold on to him. Like I know it's, it sounds funny, but even if you have a one point two million dollar guy sitting upstairs as your thirteenth or fourteenth, um, I think he still just brings that ability. Like if you did have to dress him, you know you got a solid PK guy. You know a guy you've got a guy who can uh, who's not gonna get pushed around out there. And in the when the game gets a little bit tougher, you're gonna want players like that. The you mentioned the James Neal buyout for those listening. That want to know the details on that. He has three more seasons at five point seven five million. If the Oilers were to buy him out, it would turn into six more seasons at one point nine million. So you would save three point eight million for the next three seasons, and then for three years after that, it's a one point nine million dollar penalty against your cap. I'm not a huge fan of the James Neal buyout. Just I because, was referring to like the free buyout though, like oh, if, they, if, it's if we are getting the, yeah the compliance one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I I don't know if I use the buyout. If it is the way it is, I think I use the bio if they give you that free one. The idea of him and Chase on, like, I kind of agree with with sort of what you're saying, Rick, where they're a similar player. And in my opinion, if I can get out from either Chase on or Neil, um, I, I would do it at, and try to use that savings to sign Ennis just because he brings you something a little bit different. Like, to me, Neil and Chase on are both guys who don't skate very well. They can be physical at times. But in an ideal world, they're playing on your third line. And do you want both those guys playing in your bottom six? They can help you on your power play, no doubt. But at five on five, they're just really similar. And I and I think having both those guys is maybe handcuffs you a bit. Whereas if you were to get a guy like Tyler Ennis in here, he brings you a little bit of speed. You're a little bit more confident in his ability to move up the lineup as well. I'll, I'll come to you next, Zach. Out of Neil or Chase on, do you think they're both Oilers next season? I don't know. I think you try and move Neil if you can. I think Chason can do what James Neal can do at five on five and on the power play. I mean, Chason is a, an option and you see him down low a lot around the net. Um, five on five, Chason is a solid player. He's one of our better players at five on five, actually, when you start to look at the underlying numbers and everything that comes along with it. So, you know, I, I got time for Chason. Um, you know, he's only got one year left. Maybe he's a guy you try and flip at the deadline. A team who's looking for a, a vet for a push in the playoffs, who's got you know experience winning a Stanley Cup. Um, you know, I, I think I think that's kind of the way you go about those two guys there. Dan. Um, yeah, I mean, I think getting rid of Neil is one A, and again, like Rick said, it's it's not it's not anything against against the players. Just that dollar amount doesn't make sense for the guy. Yeah, and then one B is getting rid of Chase on, um, but I I believe. I don't know. In my heart of hearts, I believe that the reason we went out and got that Swedish defenseman is because one of our defensemen is heading out the door. Whether that's uh, whether that's a, a Chris Russell type, I don't know. But oh yeah, Russell. I don't see Russell being here next year I just, without you know, the, I, without the Swedish guy. I think that's where you're finding that's where you're finding your value more than anything. Just because because people are willing to pay for a defenseman like Russell for what he does versus you know the 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 trade off of. Uh, uh, what a Neil or a Chase on can possibly do for your power play, but are going to be tougher during uh, during five on five time. Uh, and then with Jujar Kara, it's like I don't know. I don't know if we can look at our PK and be like this is the best PK in the league, and 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 kind of discount a guy like that who does play really an important role on on the PK. Um, you need those defensive specialists. I know they are. I know they are dying off. Um, it's not. It's not like the old days where you could have a shadow for the best player on the other team, kind of thing. But he's not. But, he's not like that. He also does bring other aspects to the game, right? He's not like just like that. And I don't know what what guy I'm going to bring up, like a Guy Carbino, who is just you know out there killing penalties all the time. Yeah. Um. He does bring. You know, he's able to skate. He does skate pretty well, especially for a guy his size. He has yeah. decent hands. When he has his confidence, he has a pretty good game. Uh, a pretty good game. But uh, he just did not have it at all this year. And I think he, that's why I put him where I did. Is that he just has a little more some more positives I'm not really willing to give up yet. Well, and you're not getting any value out of giving up a $1.2 million player. You have to replace that player, right? So it's it's not like... Yeah, with another 1.2, exactly. what kind of negative like are he going to have? It's not like you're going to tuck a guy in under that for that for a better value than what you have on a Jujar. And again, you know, another player that we have control over, like Rick said. So it's... I don't know. I, I, I just... I don't... Who knows what the landscape that we're looking at? Um, 
whether there'll be a team that could fit a James Neal in without sending back an albatross of a contract in themselves. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, I don't, I don't know. It's uh, it remains to be seen, but it's it's an interesting thought experiment at least. Yeah, I, I just would... make sure we all vote for the, the Twitter vote. We may we vote for the uh, the free buyout when the NHL puts those in. Yeah, to, to decide how we do this, the Twitter vote. Make sure we click on it. I, I'm going to push back a little bit on Kara just because, to me, like you could bring back a guy like Patrick Russell for seven hundred thousand dollars and save yourself five hundred k. And yes, I know Kara was important to the penalty kill and all that. But you do even if you lose Kara, I mean, Chason can play on your PK if he's still here. You got a guy like Shahan who's probably going to be brought back. Archibald as well. Nuge is good on the PK. Drysaddle is good on the PK. So to me, a guy like Kara who's really inconsistent at five on five, you could save five hundred thousand dollars off the cap. And if the cap doesn't go up, the Oilers they're in a tight squeeze, and they're going to probably have to move on from a guy like Chris Russell if if it's even possible with with the cap not going up at all. And they're probably going to have to move on from a couple of forwards as well that make more than a million bucks. So. I think in a tight cap situation, you need to look every little way you can save a couple pennies, and Kara just might be one of those opportunities to me. So I, my my counterpoint to your counterpoint would be with a guy like Patrick Russell, you're looking at a guy that's in the prime of his life um, and and isn't as good as Jujar Kara is when he's 25. And Kara, for the last two seasons, while hasn't, you know, hasn't, blown the doors off offensively or anything has been a consistent guy at around that 20 point mark um and he hasn't been the liability that he was this year right so it's 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 one of those things you look at his whole career and it's like was this year an off year or was this year an indication of the true player i don't know but i would tend to to believe it's it's more of just an off year and i don't think we're in a position to just give up on that right now um but I mean, you're right. The, the, trying to find money, yeah. you, like you're squeezing dimes right now because it's 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 that tight. We we were already going to be tight, and then a pandemic happened. So it's 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 tough to do no matter what you do. Yeah, like, and I look at it, I go, okay, their top nine, let's call it, is probably going to have or will have McDavid, Drysdale, Nugent Hopkins, Neil, Athanasiu, Zach Cassian's in there as well. Archibald's in there as well. Yamamoto's going to be in there as well. Like, all, to me, Kara's just a fourth liner, or he's potentially even an extra forward at times. So, yes, there could maybe be a little bit more upside with him, but the chances of a fourth liner on the Oilers suddenly re- realizing some sort of potential, I, I think it's I think it's a little slim. I think it's potential to, to reach that new potential. That's it's probably a little bit of an outreach right now, but just to get back to what he's been uh, when he's been at his best, I don't think that that's uh, that's too much of a of a hope. This is uh this has been a really good conversation and actually I almost want to table it for now and maybe next week we can go armchair GM mode again and maybe tackle some of the issues on the blue line for the Edmonton Oilers because uh, we got a few other things to get to I want to debate the Oilers all time team but first uh, some of the recent news that came out from around the NHL and somewhat specifically in Edmonton was uh, with Alberta Health Services announcing that they're changing up or loosening some regulations. Uh, around around the city and around the province. Ryan Rashog had a couple of interesting tweets. He said that hub cities have begun submitting proposals to the NHL following detailed criteria that the league has asked for. Testing is going to be a big issue to get sorted out. He adds that more substantive talks planned for next week between the Oilers and Alberta Health Services. Says that AHS has expressed an openness to working with the Oilers to find a solution. And then there was Bill Daly who went on Leafs Lunch in Toronto, he said the NHL expects to be paying for whatever testing is needed to return, which is believed to be a big hurdle. Um, says the league never wants to be in a position where they're denying the public and those who need it from getting the tests. And uh, he said they're totally in lockstep with the Players Association and says he can't remember a time when they've been so much on the same page. But um, I'll start with you again on this one, Dan. Alberta Health Services relaxing a few things. Does that make you more optimistic that we might get NHL hockey in this city? Uh, It's a a political conversation that I don't know if I want to wade into (laughs) too much. But I do believe that, and and I've watched a couple of documentaries uh, that have told me as such that uh, in past pandemic cities that have reopened uh, too early, quote-unquote, uh, have had to revert back to the uh, to the previous you know setting of of lockdown uh, just to try and normalize things. So 
it's going to be a very telling couple of weeks here as, as things reopen, if we can continue, because Edmonton's done a really good job. I don't feel like, I know that a lot of businesses have shut down and all that kind of stuff, but I feel like, I feel like say, uh, other than the outside of like the first week or first two weeks of this, that it's like that the world has shut down in Edmonton. Uh, it seems like everybody just kind of, you know, adjusted to the new normal and, and did a really good job about it. Um, but it just, it remains to be seen whether the city can handle reopening in that first stage. Uh, it's cool to see. It's good to see that Alberta Health Services is willing to work with the NHL and willing to work with the others on this um, because we have done so well in the city of Edmonton. But I don't know. We'll see. And the other thing, too, is that as a province, we're not doing so well. And we have a couple of you know issues and areas. And if we reopen the entire province, but then part of the province sees issues, are they just going to shut down the entire province or are they only going to shut down the city? So it's it's a... I don't know. It's one of those things, again, it's exciting to see you're hopeful that, you know, that hockey can come back and that we can identify four cities that can handle this and do it the right way. But I'm worried that uh, I'm worried as to what happens in the next two weeks first. As we're recording this, Don Iveson says that if there's an opportunity for the city and the Oilers to be part of helping the NHL finish the season, they'd be open to that. But he says it's not at the top of the city's priority list says he'd like to see it happen, but it needs to be safe to be possible. Uh, Zach Lang, what do you think of, you know, the, the regulations being relaxed a little bit like me, I'm kind of with Dan where I get an uneasy feeling. I'm just like, Oh man, like we better be sure we better not be doing this just because we're bored. Right. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. I think, I think, um, again, it's, it's difficult because it is a, a largely a political conversation that, that has to be held and there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we're not privy to when it comes to this sort of thing. But, you know, you look at a place like California who um, had issued complete lockdown orders for the entire state. And as soon as they relaxed those rules, they had to reshut down the entire state um, only a week later because people took it as, Oh, well, everything's fine and everything's normal when, you know, in reality, nothing's fine and nothing's normal right now. And that's that's the difficult thing that I'm I'm hesitant about. You know, you look at um, a place like like Edmonton has done a great job in in doing the doing the quote flattening of the curve. Um, you know, we're in single digit new case numbers every day, and that's fantastic. But you know, you look at a place like Calgary where they're still like yesterday they reported almost 200 new cases. Um, I'm my concern is is that you know as soon as you start to relax these things. Um, you're, you're going to start to see further outbreaks and, and further issues that come with it. And, and who knows if maybe this is the right thing to do. I, I don't know. And that's, that's a difficult thing. But I know for myself, I'm hesitant even about Edmonton being a host city for NHL games because um, I think it's going to be incredibly difficult for the league to do this in a health or in a healthy and safe way. Um, because as soon as one player gets it, you know, we, we know how quickly this virus can spread. So, you know, even for Bill Daly to have come out and said the other week, well, no, we wouldn't consider shutting things down if one case was reported. And I think that's, I think that's dangerous. I think it's a dangerous comment. I think it's a dangerous precedent um, in what are some very unprecedented times. Rick? Sure, I think you just said it right there, Zach. Um, we do only have single digit new cases every day, right? And like, some have been one, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So if we did bring in another, and I don't even know how, many, let's say a thousand people, you know, if that's what it takes to bring in for this, for everybody from the players to whatever else needs to be brought in for this, I don't think it's that, that big of an influx. Uh, I don't see, you know, if then obviously they're going to have to be um, in their own quarantined area. They're not going to be allowed to go visit anybody else. They're going to be stuck in their own area. So that's, I don't see how that's going to really affect too much um, to a city that's already done a really good job to keep the numbers down. Um, you know, personally, I still think, you know, I think everyone's getting a little excited, but it's still two weeks away, right? Like, yeah. Nothing opens for two weeks. So everyone, you know, everyone is freaking out yesterday saying this, that, and other thing. Well, let's just keep this track going downwards for two weeks, and well, then we'll see where we're at. Something's open on May the 4th. Correct. No, stage uh, one courses? is golf courses is tomorrow or May. It's tomorrow technically. Tomorrow you can start golfing, but 
But like uh, bars and restaurants, we're part of stage one. Stage one is May 14th. See, and there's even, I'm even looking at that. We still have two weeks to go. I still almost feel like it's still a couple weeks too early. Like for me, just. And we may may figure that out. But they have to sit there and they have to come up with plans because as a dude who runs a bar, I don't want them to tell me, I don't want them to do what they do with the golf courses. I don't want to find out a day and a half before I open that, uh, that I'm going to open. You know, I, I want this two weeks. I want, you know, 10 days to okay, good, let's go get everything in line and get it all set up. So, you know what, and it's, they have to have these plans. So when everybody, you got to ask these questions. So everybody is freaking out saying, you can't even talk about that stuff yet. Well, they're not asking to open up right now. It's, you know, what's two, if we keep doing what we're doing right now and the trending is, it keeps going down for another two weeks, we're going to be in a lot of different situation, right? And then we'll be able we'll ready to go. Um, in that time, it's also going to give uh, whatever states in the U.S. that opened up early. If shit goes fucking haywire down there, all of a sudden we're like, okay, we can push back our start time again. You know, we don't, we're not in the middle of it yet. We're going to see some states that are open for three weeks, even a month almost, I think, before we get going. And we even still, we're going to be in a very small, a very small uh, a portion of things that are opening. And if everyone just keeps following the rules, you know, the physical distancing, the mask for most people, if everyone keeps following that stuff, then I think we'll be okay. I think part of my problem with when people would get upset about this is that like, you know, with the golf course, course debate, everyone was getting mad about this in like beginning of May. And I get, I understand that the courses were mad or April. Sorry. Yeah. You know what I meant? Um, I understand that like the courses, like you said, Rick, these businesses need a heads up and it's a little unfair to just be like tomorrow you can open. And they're just kind of like, what the fuck? We laid off half our staff because we were told we couldn't be open. But I almost would have preferred that instead of saying, you know, golf courses can open up this weekend and restaurants at the middle of May, I almost would have preferred that. And again, I'm not a doctor, so maybe I'm not even, shouldn't even be talking about this, but I just feel like June would have been a bit of a safer date. Like, let's give it another few weeks, but tell all these businesses, you know, let's, you can, you can open your doors June 1. These businesses are June 14th. I I, I just, I'm really worried because when we come back, I think it's going to be really hard to go back to a somewhat normal life where you can go have a beer on the patio and go golfing with your friends and, you know, go to the park and whatever, go to the park with your kids. It's going to be really hard if in July or August, they all of a sudden say, psych, shut down again. shutting down again. I, I You almost want to be 100%. You don't want to be 90% then have that chance. And it's the same thing with the NHL to bring this back to hockey where you don't want to bring it back, play a week of games, get fans all excited, and then be in a situation where you have to be like, fuck, we have 20 positive tests in a day in one of our quarantine sites and we have to shut it down again, right? But if all those guys are healthy and safe where they are and then they're brought here healthy and safe and they're stuck in an area that's healthy and safe, I don't see where they can, the the non-healthy and not safe can get can get in there, you know what I mean? Well, there's there's just, there's, I mean, you know, especially you don't in a city, and Especially in a city that is 900,000, a million people and we're down to, less than 10 people per day and the and I can I don't know this part I don't know the breakdown of those of those new cases are if there's still that are you know some that are 60% older people or in specific areas even but it's just but, it's, it's that one person that you know is working, working in the food industry and goes home at night and they're the ones that are serving the player and they you know they they Well I, that's what I mean I don't think those guys do that. get to get old I don't think those guys do get to go home I, don't I think know. anyone who's cooking for him has got to be in the quarantine. And I, don't get wild. me wrong, dude. Like it, people will, if if it was like a serving or bartending thing, shit, I can cook too. Um, if that was a thing, like, hey, you want to give us a month and come live in the hotel and do this? Fucking right, I will. I think it, dude. It's one like dudes go up to go up north all the time for you know four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks at a time. This would be something. It would just be a, a, an interesting one month story you have in your life. Can you? Like, yeah, see, I don't have a I don't have a family behind me, right? So it's not like yeah. I'm leaving anyone behind me. Um, but yeah, I, dude, I, 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 mean, I think you see that a lot more in my industry where people are willing to do this with these weird things where it's like, oh fuck, it's, that's a month, sure, why not? I agree. I'll go, I'll go with I that. just think that I think that the the only the only problem with this virus is that it, all it takes is one person to have you know gone out to a late night store and then all of a sudden it's it's game over and it's just and it's not even and it's not even to say that that happens in Edmonton. I don't even think I don't even think that even happens though because it's not it's that's not really a thing like it's no one's like hey like, I went to Seven Eleven I got it from there everyone's think, got bigger reasons where it comes from. I think the big problem still is that 
there's a large fear of the unknown when it comes to what's going on right now. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the biggest concern at the end of the day here, right? I think, you know, it's difficult when you're dealing with a multi-billion dollar um, organization like the National Hockey League, for example, who, you know, every second or every day that goes by without a hockey game on with fans in the seats, you know, they're losing big, big, big time money. I mean, you look at the Canadian Football League, they've had to go so far as beginning to have discussions with the Canadian government on getting, you know, a bailout money to be able to keep the league intact. Um, you know, how long until, you know, these pro leagues start having to look at something like that? Not saying that they will. Um, but, you know, if, if, for example, we're not able to get fans and seats for, let's just theoretically say a year from now, you know, you look at a league like the National Hockey League, who um, a lot of their revenue comes from having fans at the games and, and door tickets. You know, I wonder if it's going to start to become a difficult thing for these leagues to, to continue to function as, as it were. I want a scenario where Rick takes a job cooking for the NHL and can do this podcast from inside quarantine every week. I could do this. Could you imagine? No problem. Bro. <laughs> I, could, I could go fucking work the grill and do this right now. I can chat with you guys and fucking flip some burgers, cook some steaks, no problem. Uh, speaking of food, this uh, podcast is very happy to be sponsored by the fine folks over at Skip the Dishes. You can get one of our other podcast sponsors, Oodle Noodle, on Skip the Dishes as well. Get the nudes brought straight to your home. That's the one business who's got to be loving this. Hey, Skip the Dishes. Everyone's using yeah, it now. Can. My parents, well, who are like the most technolo- technologically illiterate people in the world, <laughs> have figured out two things during quarantine. Netflix and Skip the Dishes. Fascinating to watch. Just be glad it's not TikTok. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, I, don't think, I don't think Skip the Dishes is loving this. Well, I just, no, I shouldn't I say loving this, are. yeah. <laughs> well, they, are, can, they can they say, hey, listen, they're they enjoying the fact they're making some out. extra cash right they're now. They're happy to be able to help out. They're beneficiaries of, of you know, it's just like our, our one of our friends of the nation, uh, Belmont Sobies. You know, they, yeah. they've, they've seen an influx of customers, but they've also seen the ability to help out more, right? And so it's, you're right. It's, they, they love it, but it's for the right reasons. They're, they're able to give back more and they're able to do more with more clients now than ever right they've got liquor stores on board they've got new restaurants on board everybody's able to come and get help because of skip the dishes i'm sure they're loving the fact they can help uh, you're much more articulate than i am dan <laughs> <laughs> skip the dish yeah <laughs> um, okay the last thing i wanted to get to this week and we don't have too too much time to get to it because all of our other topics have been uh we we've been getting into it but TSN has been doing their all-time seven, where they're going to every Canadian franchise and basically picking the best roster possible. Uh, before I give you TSN's list, let me tell you what the criteria were, because it's important. Uh, you needed, you know, four forward lines, six defensemen, two goaltenders. Every player must have played at least 225 games with the Oilers. At least one member of the all-time team must be from this year's team. Players are slotted in positions they played with the Oilers. One line of the forwards needs to be considered a checking line. One pairing needs to be considered a shutdown pair. Lines and pairs are together because they fit, not necessarily be because they're the first, second, or third best left winger in Oilers history. Uh, so let me give you guys the Oilers lineup, and then I want to ask you about some of the tough decisions, because I went and did this exercise myself. Um, but between the pipes, they had Grant Fear and Bill Ranford. I don't think you'll see a lot of people arguing about that because Curtis Joseph didn't qualify. On the back end, it's Paul Coffey with Charlie Huddy, Steve Smith with Randy Gregg, Kevin Lowe with Lee Fogelin on the shutdown pair. The big question here, I think, is uh, do you think Oscar Clefbaum belongs on this list or has he not done enough yet as an oiler to crack this team? I think he, I think you can find space for him on that list. I think the list was... Um, I think it's just really tough to look at the 80s guys and and try and pick uh, above them, especially for uh, guys that watched them, right? So these guys that picked them were probably all boomers. Well, you not quite, but yeah, um, you know they they watched, they were around there watching hockey in the 80s. They were they you know they were at least in their teens and got to enjoy that stuff, and vice versa especially guys like younger than me, because I was technically alive for all this, but I 
couldn't tell you I remember a whole bunch of it. So guys looking backwards are going to look at players and go, well, what the fuck Steve Smith doing there? And they're kind of like downplaying it yeah. when they were a lot more important on the ice than, than uh, we realized. I think that there's more of a debate to be had that Jason Smith belongs on this list. I would have Jason Smith there before Lee Fogelin. And that's and yeah. and does that come from a does that come from a recency bias? Who knows? Because I think they were like the same type of player, were they not? Can anyone here answer me that? I honestly, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, Gator, yeah, that was, was, was shut down, down and I think so was Lee Fogelin. And the fact yeah. that we have two left-handed guys playing the right side is kind of weird too. But that's guy and, and TSN. TSN says that Kevin Lee Fogelin are the teams quote down pair which is something that each team needed to have so you know in theory you could you could swap out Fogelin for uh um Gator and, and be good to go so what's the Steve Smith Randy Gregg line is that just like the next set after the, That's the just best the and the most pairing, defensive yeah. yeah those are third and fourth best defensive it does I mean it does tell you that you know through the 90s and the 2000s today um we haven't had a lot of defensive no, well, like, and, and also they those guys all have championships next to their name, yeah. right? Like they have Stanley Cup. Yeah, but you can be thanking you can be thanking the guys listed lower than those guys. Of course, <laughs> on the on this graphic, on this of graphic, course. For but that. but it's it plays into it. Although right? Paul Coffey was your bias, your bias can 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 play over that when it comes to Stanley Cup champions. But you know, it's like it's why Ovechkin is is compared to Crosby, and Crosby wins every time. It's well, it's, Crosby's a better all around. Well, player. yeah. You know what I mean? Like the the Stanley Cups just put you over the edge. So it's I get it, but but yeah, I yeah. Think, but you can't you can't even defense. you can't even come up with a defensive from the '90s that you would try and sneak on that defensive lineup. No, right? No. Like the best defensemen from the '90s are like Roman Hammer looking. I know a couple guys were saying Boris Mirnov and Yanni Ninema, but even without the cups, I don't think I'm taking any of those over like a Charlie Huddy or Randy Gregg. Yeah, so and to be fair, I guess Randy Gregg and Lee Fogelin, I think, are the ones that are most biggest question marks to what I remember. I actually uh, today I had a chance to chat with Steve Dryden, who's the guy. He's the guy in charge of this. He's going around talking to you know old beat re- reporters and digging through the stats and all that stuff of this. And we asked him point blank the question of, you know, did you feel there's too many '80s Oilers? And he said when he talked to people, he would say we're trying our best to not just make this the 80s Oilers. Like, think about some guys who maybe weren't on good teams who did good. And then he said every time you would just get down to a tough decision and go, fuck, look at what... Or he didn't swear, obviously, because he's a very nice man. But he kind of, I'm paraphrasing. He would kind of go like, well, how do you discount a guy with three or four rings, right? And I think that's kind of the, the difficulty in doing this from an Oilers perspective, even when you go to the forward group. Um, the top line, Ryan Smith, granted, doesn't have a ring, but Gretzky... Curry. Then you have Craig Simpson with Messier and Anderson. Connor McDavid, Dreisaitl Hemsky. There's kind of your your next generation line for the Oilers. And then you have Craig McTavish with Kelly Buckberger and Essa Tekin. And like a guy like Mike Greer got left off this team. A guy like Taylor Hall even got left off this team. But up front, as I read those names to you, is there is there one glaring omission to anyone? I'll, I'll start with you on this one, Zach. Um, I think probably Taylor Hall uh, or, or maybe even Doug Wade are probably the largest admissions for me. Um, you know, I don't know if I take uh, Craig McTavish over Doug Wade. Um, and I, I'm not sure about Craig Simpson over top of Taylor Hall. Uh, you have to take are, Craig McTavish, though, doesn't it? Because isn't that the shutdown role? Well, yeah, it's the checking there. line thing. You, you could have put a Horkoff there. Okay, but either sure. way, Doug Wade doesn't right? sneak in there. Yeah, no, I, I mean... Obviously, like if if it didn't have to have the term of checking line, I'd probably yeah. have a guy like Wade over McDash, right? Oh yeah, because otherwise know, this looks like, like Rob Zamner over Mark Messier in, in Nagano, where they just you know they took the role player instead of the best player. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's part of the problem that and, and sort of what you have to remember when we're looking at this is that you know they had a very specific set of criteria yeah. for filling out this roster, like they were trying to to build. Um, a, a team that could play and, and in the mind of a general manager, right? So uh, I think if anything, given the given all of it, I think I'd probably take Taylor Hall over Craig Simpson uh, on that second line alongside uh, Messe and Anderson. But beyond that, I mean, shit, I think it's pretty hard to to argue against any of these options that they've made, like. This is the thing. These guys are all champions. These guys, these guys all have multiple rings, you know, with and without Edmonton. 
for for the most part, right? I love seeing Hamski beside McDavid and Drysaddle. Could you imagine seeing those guys <laughs> play together these days? Good it's God! Just, it's you, you you nailed it, Zach, when you said it. It's the it's the criteria that they created, and whenever you play these games, it's just it it depends on the rules that you put in place. Uh, a guy like Doug Waite absolutely should be on a list, but he can't fit in behind he can't fit in behind Messier and Gretzky and and McDavid and because you, you have to have that third or that fourth line grinder, so it's it's just the rules that they made. Like when you read the comments on the original tweet, it's like every TSN guy has to come in and be like, "Follow the rules, follow the rules, follow." The and it rules. really like shows you how you know when you read those threads, it really shows you how many people have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> I remember seeing something about Kevin Lowe being a plug. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I just well, shook my head and, but it's, and but it's away recency bias, and it just that's that's the that's the reality of it all, right? We're 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 in a specific demographic of. I think it's bigger than that, though, because recency bias is like, hey, you know what? I really didn't really watch that guy way back when, but this is what I've seen. Well, it's stupidity. Just yeah, that, well, that's what I mean, though, right? And, but that's what you say. It's like, I, you know, I really wasn't around when Kevin Lowe was, but I saw this guy play instead. It's well, just know, stupidity to turn back and not know what you're talking <laughs> about, or maybe you... maybe you did watch Kevin Lowe and you still think he's a plug. Well, that just that's just dumb. Just wait until you see the the Habs and the fucking Leafs lineups, right? Like that's a oh, hundred years, over a hundred years of history, and you're gonna you're gonna try and tell me that anybody on the current roster, except for maybe Carey Price, is gonna is gonna crack those lineups? It's just it's I had I saw one guy said uh, sneaking Gallagher in there and, and then pulling somebody out. But yeah, okay. they put out Montreal's team. But it's just team. on that. It's just on that on that one it. line, right? It was there was like a it was just like a, a thread or whatever. And dudes like yeah, just put Gallagher in there, take somebody else out, and then you can use um, Patrick Wazir goalie. It's a fun exercise to do uh, either way. I I I went through the exercise all week on TSN myself and Matt Iwanek, and basically the changes we made to this team were people forget Mark Messier was an all star as a left winger. So what we did is we moved Messier up to that first-line left-wing spot, took off Ryan Smith. Our second line was Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Anderson. Our third line had Doug Waite with Alish Hemsky, and we actually put Taylor Hall on that left side. And then our fourth line was McTavish with Tikkanen, and McTavish with Tikkanen, and we had Mike Greer on the right side. And then you needed something called the foundational player, which is a player that is defined as the fabric or the DNA of a franchise when you think fabric and DNA of a franchise, it's Taylor Hall, right? Smitty. Or sorry, no, yeah, it's Ryan Smith. <laughs> Jesus, wow! <laughs> I have made. I would like everyone to know he said that with, with a it. straight face <laughs> too. Back with it. It's Taylor Hall, right? And then just ended the podcast right there. <laughs> Man, I am on another level right now. It's because I was staring right at the last cuts page when I did it and was looking at Taylor Hall's oh, name. Yeah. But when you think DNA of the Oilers, it's Ryan Smith, it's Ryan right? Smith. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's yeah, like and that's, but I and then that's the Oilers. Like I don't know, it's it's one of those things, right? Because the the Oilers in the nineties and into the leaching into the middle of the two thousands, that's exactly who I think of. Um, now it's different, and in the eighties it was very different. So it's, but yeah, I guess when you think of an Edmonton Oiler, it's it's either Kevin Lowe or it's Ryan Smith. Yeah, that's that's those are the two guys when I think of of a player to be the Edmonton Oilers is Ryan Smith or Kevin Lowe. Yeah, well, foundational. I mean, at that, without having to like try and like tinker with your lineup to try and fit him in there, if you just had to pick one guy as a foundational player, just period, I think it's Kevin Lowe. He's been around forever. He keeps coming back. He will never leave here. He, he knows bleeds. a thing or two about winning. Yeah, he, he, he bleeds. He bleeds Oilers, man. Yeah, and that's a good point. He he brought him. He was a part of all five of those rings, and he almost helped bring them a cup in 06. And not a lot of people can say they were a part of all of that success in Oilers history. Uh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna steer away from this because we only have a couple minutes left in the podcast. I have my buttons ready. It is time for our hot and cold performers. Brought to you by Oodle Noodle. They're donating ten percent of all in-store pickup takeout orders to local charities for the next while here, which is one of the many fantastic initiatives that they have been doing. As Bag Milk says, we start with our veggies. We start with our cold performer of the week. Dan, I'm putting you on the spot first. Yeah, I got it. It's uh, plain and simple. Uh, I don't want to get too political about it, but it's the fucking idiots that went and uh, protested the lockdown at the legislature the other day and 
specifically the idiot that was driving the modified fire truck that then got it stuck on the high level bridge. People should just, have backed their trucks up behind him and kept them there. Like everyone was getting out of the fuck out of his way. I was like, dude, get behind him and just keep him there. Well, Make him look like an idiot. Every time, like, I get, I, I understand I support the right to protest or whatever, but what you're really doing is putting out EPS service members. You're, you've got, then you've got them running traffic for you to, to try and get your stupid fire truck toy out of the, uh, out of the bridge area that you didn't know clearance of. Like, it's just, it was frustrating on every level. And, you know, if that's the reason that, uh, that we go back into quarantine, I'm going to be extra pissed. So they're my cold performer of the week. Rick. Well, that kind of stole it there. Cause I was, uh, you know, being downtown around that, it was, uh, it was right on my doorstep. It felt like, but uh, I'll just specify down to the one idiot with the, with the, the Trump flag <laughs> and uh, the Trump flag over there. Come on guys. Like seriously, you're, you want them? Pack your shit. Take off. See ya. Simple. Zach, you got a cold performer of the week? My cold performer of the week are all the assholes who are driving their very loud cars through downtown Edmonton. <laughs> Can you hear the races later? Terrible. Fucking hate it, man. All the guys with their motorbikes and the guy with the blue Lamborghini. Bunch of assholes. Yeah, down 104 Ave. They'll go firing at like 11:30. You can hear a race. It's, it's a I know. Trip. I can. I can see it from my condo. It's terrible, yeah. man. I hate it. <laughs> uh, my cold performer of the week is. Uh, I'm so I don't mean to keep hammering this, but I'm going back to to the golf debate. People who seem to be like bragging to others they were like oh yeah i told you i'd be golfing in a or in may i told you and it's like you know maybe this whole pandemic if it should have taught us anything should have taught us a little bit of compassion you know and and maybe we don't need to be assholes online about every single little thing so i, it's I was twitter and it's twitter in general though because even yeah. when it first started it was like oh can we why can't we golf just simple question um, then it was like, Hey, you rich assholes, stop trying to be so luxurious and blah, 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 blah. blah. And that's where it all started from. Yeah. It's like, there was a legit question as to, can you, can't you, why, what if we do this, that, or the other thing that you can sit down there and ha- as adults have a conversation. And then it was like, Hey, you fucking rich fox, blah, 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 blah. And it's just been back and forth the whole time. So yeah, it's been stupid. I'm a golfer. I want to golf right now, <laughs> but I'm staying way out of that conversation now. Yeah. It's just, it got so toxic so quickly. So, uh, the people who kind of steered it in a bad direction. They're my cold performers. And uh, now we get to the fun part, the hot performers of the week. Uh, we'll flip the order a little bit here, and I'll go with uh, I'll go with you, Zach. You got a hot performer of the week? My hot performer of the week is going to be none other than Ken Holland. Ooh. He's been lighting it up with some signings. And Ooh, that Oilers one. related and everything. Good for you. <laughs> That's fine. Rick? Uh, I'm gonna go out with uh, Doctor Hinshaw here. You yeah. know, a little. I, I get to I get to golf. I get to start golfing here right away. But uh, more importantly, in two weeks, I get to go back to work. So uh, yeah, everyone, let's just do this right thing for the next two weeks, and uh, let's get back a little bit of normalcy. Put some respect on my name, Dano. Uh, so I I actually did some research for this one because the province of Nova Scotia. I don't know if you guys knew, but I used to live in Halifax. Oh, oh really? No way. Has been absolutely just mortalized with this with this pandemic and then the the worst shooting in canadian history and now the 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 uh hmcs uh helicopter that lost and sadly um you know all members uh perished in that crash it's been a tough time for nova scotia but there was a feel-good story that came out of uh nova scotia i will share it somehow through social media um but in Muscadabit Harbor yesterday, a three-year-old girl went missing. And the goodest of good boys, service dog Jinx, uh, interrupted his training or her training um, when they heard the call for this to go out and try and find her. And uh, and on the doggo's own, uh, they heard they heard they were out and they heard a little girl's voice say "doggy," and <laughs> that was how that was how they found her. So. Uh, my hot performer of the week is Constable Dan Barube uh, and his service dog Jinx for finding a three-year-old girl in Nova Scotia and averting another disastrous, sad story coming from that province who's just been riddled with them all. 
my hot performer, I'm actually just going to agree with Zach because it's someone who makes a living off talking about hockey and sports in general and who <laughs> needs to come up with the content. Penn Holland gave us the content. It wasn't a lot, nothing too flashy, but he went out there and I feel like Ken Holland was like personally doing me a solid. So big shout out to, uh, to Uncle Ken for the help in the last week and giving us something to talk about. Um, we had a lot to get to this week and we got through pretty much all of it. So uh, thanks for playing along, guys. Thanks for doing the little armchair GM stuff with me as well and correcting me when I said things like uh, Skip the Dishes supports pandemics, which isn't what I meant at all, or when I said Taylor Hall was uh, was the face of the franchise. Just please ah. put out a promo for the podcast that has you saying, I think when you think of one player, it's Taylor Hall. And then that's it. No context at all. So he gets to, he gets to save all the all the all the clips on his own there, eh? Someone's gotta clip that stuff. So. Yeah, I'm gonna rage, get I'm gonna get Survey or Brett's gonna have that one clip. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for doing this, guys. Have a good weekend. Episode eighty four of Oilers Nation Radio is over. Best Shout wishes. out Davian. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.